Good morning. I'm excited to be here. How about you guys? Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for the, the wonderful gifts. Just, uh, it's our privilege to, to be the pastor here. I just want to say thanks for letting us do that. Uh, we've now in our um, eighth week here at Osseo Senior High as Mosaic 2.0, and it's been so great in this new building and meeting lots of new faces. So thanks for being here. Uh, we've been in this series called Overcomer for four weeks now. We've been learning that through Christ that we can be conquerors, that we are more than overcomers. Uh, kind of our, our theme verse for this month has been Romans 8, 37. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Someone say more than conquerors. More than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you know that you are a conqueror? That you are an overcomer? That whatever is going on in your life, through the power of Christ, you can overcome it. And I hope that you will leave today with your faith encouraged, that you will leave here knowing that God is at work in your life today. More than conquerors means, in the original language, we go back to it, it means to gain a surpassing victory. To gain a surpassing victory. That's why I love that song that we introduced today. I'm going to see a victory, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. The battle's already won, and we can live in that victory today. Well, we've talked about overcoming the curse of comparisons, how so often we don't stay in our lane, and we look at, hey, what are they doing? And we learn that Jesus tells us, hey, don't worry about what John is going to do. Peter, just stay in your lane and worry about what I've called you to do. What am I doing in your life? Then we, we learned about overcoming these inner insecurities that we all have, that we don't feel like we measure up, that we're not enough. And then last week, our youth pastor Josh did a phenomenal job talking about overcoming the lies of labels, how we've all had labels placed on us, but that those labels don't define us. It's who we are in Jesus that, is our, that, that defines us. And today, I want to talk about overcoming something I think that all of us battle with, overcoming fear. Maybe it was when you were a kid, you were afraid of thunderstorms or tornadoes. Maybe you were afraid that your parents were going to get divorced uh, maybe a teenager that you were afraid of getting a zit, you know, on the morning of prom. Today now, many of us are older and we have grown-up fears. You know, what's going to happen to the economy? Uh, what's going to happen if we lose our jobs? We're afraid maybe something's going to happen to our kids. Honestly, maybe today, some of you, you're afraid of what's going to happen to your marriage. You know things aren't going great and you're just, you're a little afraid about that. Maybe, maybe today... You're afraid for one of your kids. Maybe today your fear is, I'm never going to get to be a mama. I'm never going to get to be a daddy. So how do we overcome those fears? That at some point in all our life, we have these things that we, we battle. We have these fears. The good news, though, is that God did not give us a spirit of fear. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.7, our core verse for today, tells us this. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. So we see that God does not give us a spirit of fear. And so therefore, if we fear, feel that spirit of fear upon us, if we feel those fears and those anxieties, that's not from God. And so today, we are not gonna accept anything that's not from God, amen? And that's from the enemy. And so, so God has given us the ability to be overcomers, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, and love and self-control. 
Some people have said that fear is the opposite of faith, but I, I think that fear is really faith in the wrong things. Fear is faith in the wrong things. If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. That fear is faith in the wrong things. Today we're taking our faith out of the wrong things and we're gonna put our faith on the one who is faithful for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Would you join me today as we just, uh, let's go in prayer to God. God, thank you that you are here. Thank you that through Jesus on the cross, conquering sin and death and fears and the labels and insecurities we feel, God, that we can be overcomers. Thank you, God, that you are here with us. Lord, I pray that every person today would know that fear is not from you, but that you have given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. Lord, let these be your words, not mine. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we all have fears, right? Some of you, your greatest fear, honestly, was if I asked you to come up on stage and to speak in front of a bunch of people, you'd be like, no way. Like, you would not want to trade a place with me right now. Some of you maybe have a sphere of fighter, uh, of spiders, what's a fighter? I don't know. A sphere of spiders. How many of you, you have to get your spouse to kill the spider when you see him running around? Yeah, yeah. I was at the gas station the other day, and there was a giant spider crawling across the newspapers, and the cashier freaked out and had to kill the spider for her. That was my good deed of the day. Uh, how many of you are afraid of clowns? I have a friend from college who has an irrational fear of clowns. He's like, we don't know who could be behind that makeup. It could be anyone. And this was like before it came out. How many of you, man, if you saw a snake right now in your row, you'd be jumping up screaming, that would be me. So I married into a family that loves reptiles. They love snakes. That's how much I love Kristen, that I was still able to marry her when I went to go visit her family and saw all these tanks of reptiles and snakes and turtles. Well, they love snakes. I don't. And fortunately, my two brother-in-laws don't love snakes either. The only thing I can take solace is, is that my brother-in-law, Justin, who served a couple tours over in Iraq and Bosnia, is even more afraid of snakes than me. So I'm like, ha, 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 soldier boy, you know. Now, he spent the night with a bunch of deadly vipers one time, and it's another story for another time. He has a better reason. But last summer, we're actually out in Colorado, and we're hanging out, and, and my, parent, uh, my in-laws live in Colorado. And they have all these trees, and we saw something moving in the trees. I was like, oh, is that a nice squirrel? Nope. Is that a nice chipmunk? Nope. A bird? Nope. It was a big snake, bigger than me, okay, taller than me, like six, seven, eight feet long snake. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, get the kids inside. And my in-laws like, that's amazing. All my sister-in-laws, and they're taking pictures. And the snake is just chilling up above, and I'm like, it's going to fall on one of our heads and kill us. I don't care if it's not venomous. It's going to kill us. And finally, this, we got the snake down, and it slithered away. Well, now every time I go back to my in-law's house in Colorado, and they have these trees hanging over their pool, I'm just like this, because I know there's a snake just waiting to drop down on me while I'm swimming. I have an irrational fear of snakes. But we all have these fears, right? Maybe it's not snakes. Maybe it's not public speaking. But it's, it's something. Um, and, and so what do we do to overcome these fears that we have? Well, I'm here to tell you that some of you, maybe you're here today because of God's prompting to be encountering his presence, to be transformed by his word. I'm telling you, some of you are going to have that prison door of fear unlocked in your life. And I believe today you're going to walk out a free person. 
but I need your faith, I need your honesty today because I truly believe, some of you, this is the brick wall that you've been running up against, these, these fears in your life. And God wants to shatter that brick wall so that your faith can move forward, that you can be an overcomer and be and do what God created you to do. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so if we're gonna be set free from this prison cell, how's that gonna happen? Well, first, we have to define what is fear. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Again, some people say, I think that fear is the opposite of faith. I don't believe that. I believe fear is, is placing your faith in the what ifs. Well, what if this happens? Fear is placing your faith in the what ifs. We're gonna look at today someone who many of us would think is a giant of faith, but he was placing his fear, his faith in the what ifs. There's a man by the name of Moses in the Old Testament. Maybe you've seen the cartoon movie, The Prince of Egypt, that's, that's Moses. This is a time in the story of God's people where God had called Abraham out of the, of the Chaldeans and said, you are gonna be a great nation. And he led him to the promised land and then Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had the, his 12 sons and they became a great nation. And they were led because of a famine down to Egypt. And after many, many, many years, the people of Israel, the people of God, grew so big that the Egyptians were worried, and so they enslaved them. And so God's people, the Israelites, have been living as slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years in Egypt. And, and conditions had slowly gotten worse and worse, and God's people were beaten and, and, and killed. And Pharaoh, the king, said, murder all the baby boys, two and under. But Moses' mother, she was so brave, and she believed that God was going to save him for a purpose and a reason, and she sent him in a basket down the Nile River. And who was the one to find Moses but Pharaoh's own daughter? And she drew him out of the water. She adopted him, and, and Moses then was raised in Pharaoh's courts. Well, Moses learns who he really is, his identity, and so one day he's out, and he sees an Egyptian hurting one of his people. And so he kills that Egyptian and buries the body. Well, the next day, he, he comes between two Israelites of his people, and, and they're arguing and fighting. He says, you shouldn't fight. And he said, what are you going to do, kill us like you did that Egyptian? And so Moses is terrified, and his fears overwhelm him, and he runs off into the desert. And he leaves everything he knows. And to make matters worse, he goes to work for his father-in-law. And so he works for his father-in-law for 40 years, tending sheep, just doing nothing until one day he's out tending sheep and he sees this bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. So he goes to investigate this burning bush and there he meets the one true God. And God reveals himself. And we're gonna pick up the story right there in Exodus chapter three, verse nine. It says, look, the cry of the people of Israel, God's people, has reached me. And I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. That's, that's the people that are, have enslaved them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You can go to the next slide. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses meets God face to face. 
God tells him that you are my chosen one to make a difference in this world, that you have a destiny and a promise. And Moses, meeting God and hearing his voice, what's his response? Who am I? Who am I? Just picture this, in the midst of the presence of God, hearing the audible voice of God, Moses' first word, but who am I? How many of us, when we feel God calling us towards something, maybe there's that step of faith, and our response is, but God, who am I? Who am I to do that? I'm just nobody. And so we stare into the face of fear, and we have these questions of who am I? I'm not talented enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good-looking enough. What is it you tell yourself, that your who am I question to God? Moses, face-to-face with God, face-to-face with his destiny, that he's called to do more, to be a conqueror, to lead God's people. He says, who am I? And God answered, I will be with you. Man, I love that question. God doesn't say, you know, you're special. You are good looking. You are smart enough. You are talented. And those are good things to tell ourselves. But God's response is to say, you know what? It doesn't really matter who you are. Because I'm going to be with you. When God is with you, it doesn't matter your insecurities. It doesn't matter how you don't measure up to those people you're comparing yourself to. It doesn't matter the labels that have been placed on you. God says, I will be with you. And Moses is like, sweet, let's go. No, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should we tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord has never appeared to you? Moses, again, he knows God's going to be with him. But what does he say? But what if, but what if, what if? God, I I hear you talking to me. I sense your presence. But can we just process through some worst case scenarios first? That's what he's saying. God, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they say, well, the Lord didn't appear to you? He's in the very presence of God thinking about these worst case scenarios. But don't we do that so often? Is the economy going to drop? What am I going to do? Is something going to happen to my kids? I'll just wrap them up in bubble wrap so they, they, when they go out the door so they don't get, a, get hurt, right? We're gripped with worst-case scenarios. God, I, I was married, and now I'm divorced. Am I going to be alone now for the rest of my life? Will I ever find a spouse? Or God, I found a spouse, but he watches way too much football and leaves the toilet seat up. I didn't think this is how marriage is going to be. Does it, this is the, you're afraid this is just the best it's ever going to be? Well, here's the thing. Those what-ifs do matter A lot. Why I want you to write this down, because what you fear the most reveals what you value the most. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Otherwise, you wouldn't be stressed about it, right? What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. If you're worried about your marriage, that shows you value your marriage. That's a good thing. If you fear losing your job, that shows, you know, you, you value security, Nothing wrong with that. If you fear the Vikings are going to blow a fourth quarter lead, that means you've grown up as a Minnesota sports fan, right? (laughs) 
If you fear something's gonna happen to your kids, what does that mean? You, you love your kids and their health and their well-being. But what you fear so often has to do with what you value the most. Secondly, write this down, that what you fear the most also reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most also reveals where you trust God the least. What I'd like you to do, and all of us today, is just to process that, because you can listen to what I'm saying, but if you don't want the Holy Spirit get into your heart and allow yourself to be truly honest about where you're struggling, you're gonna come this close to freedom, I believe, and then you're just gonna miss it. I don't want that for you. So here's what I want you to do. This is a little crazy. But I want you to physically write down the answer to this. I want you to give it a name. Fill in this sentence. I am not trusting God with blank. I want you to write that down. I am not trusting God with my career. I am not trusting God with my kids, with my future, with my finances, my future. Don't look at me. Write it down. I am not trusting God with, maybe on your phone, maybe on the note sheet, I am not trusting God with blank. Why is it important to write that down? I'm not trusting God with blank. Because you cannot defeat what you won't define. Until you give it a name, it's gonna stay in the shadows and it's gonna continue to grow. But when we bring it out of darkness into God's marvelous light, that's when God can start get to work. When we define it, then we can defeat it. So write it down. What am I not trusting God with? When we can define it, then we can, through Jesus' power, defeat it. Now, we're gonna up things up a little bit. All right, it's gonna freak you out a little bit, but I want you to trust me in this. I know it's gonna stretch you. Maybe you came to church for the first time in a while, and you're like, this is crazy. This is as crazy as we're gonna get, all right? But just trust me in this. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and those of you who hate public speaking or super introverted are like, what are you gonna tell me to do? Find a neighbor and tell them what you wrote down. Because once we define it, we're going to defeat it. So right now, turn to your neighbor and tell them what you wrote down. Let's do it. Come on. Turn to your neighbor. What did you write down? Maybe you just want to say, my greatest fear is telling strangers my greatest fear. That's okay. You can tell them that. What is it that you're not trusting God with? Share that with one of your neighbors. Did everyone share? Yeah? Found a neighbor? All right, hopefully that wasn't too awful. Because, gang, this is why we believe small groups, community, having people that we can do life with is so important. You know what, it's so good to come to a church service and to sit shoulder to shoulder with someone and worship God and, and, and read his word and, and listen to a message. That's good, but it goes to a whole other level when we can actually share, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where my fears are, to have those face-to-face conversations. We believe one of the best ways to do that is to get into a small group. But it may be, hey, just certain people you grab lunch with on a regular basis. Maybe it's once a month, every other month. Maybe it's people in your life you grab breakfast with or coffee. We all need people in our life that we can share these things with. Because God created us to be in community. And I believe so often healing happens in community when when we're able to share. And the more you talk about, hey, you know what, I'm really really worried about my finances. 
I'm worried about paying the bills. And the more you can share that with someone and have them pray with you, those fears start to shrink. And we can overcome those through the power and grace of God. Well, in the remainder of our time, I wanna get practical because it's good to know the truth, but we need to learn how to live it out. So how do we experience the power of God to be set free from our deepest fears? Maybe this will be simple, but I hope it's gonna be life-changing for you. Number one, write this down. I'm gonna acknowledge my fear and choose to trust God anyway. I'm gonna acknowledge my fear and choose to trust God anyway. What am I saying? I'm not just gonna close my eyes, stick my head in the sand and say, no, I don't have an issue with this. I don't have any fears. Life is perfect. No, we're gonna acknowledge our fears and we're gonna choose to trust God anyway. We're gonna be honest and say, you know what? I am afraid. I do worry about my kids. I am concerned about my health. I do have these fears about that we're ever gonna get pregnant or I'm ever gonna get married or I'm ever gonna have the career that I want. And it's getting real with God. It's getting real with others. You know why that's so good? To get just super honest with God? Because he already knows. He knows the fears that are in your life. And he's just waiting for you to be honest and vulnerable. Say, you know what, God? This is something that, you know what, I'm just not trusting you with. I'm so worried. I've been holding on to this tightly in my hands. But God, I need to give this to you. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to be honest. That's what David, the great man of God in the Old Testament, who messed up big, but then he repented big. And that's what he did with his fears. See, David was a shepherd boy, youngest son, and he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. A thousand years after Moses led the people out of slavery and bondage, they started a monarchy, and Saul is the first king, but God's gonna take the king away from Saul, and so David is anointed as king, but the problem is Saul's still king. And so Saul gets word that David has been anointed and, and David has kind of the Midas touch that in battle, he's just, he's better than anyone else and he's better at writing songs and all the girls love him. And so Saul puts out a hit on David and David is afraid for his life. And David is running away. But what I love about David, he's so honest. And if you struggle to be honest with God, I wanna encourage you, start reading the Psalms. There's some very honest Psalms in there. David will pray to God like, God, don't just defeat my enemies, but like smash their brains out. Like it, he's crazy honest. Like that's okay. Be honest with God. And so David in Psalm 56, verse two through four, he says this. He says, I'm constantly hounded by those who slander me and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. When I am afraid, not if I ever get afraid or I'm not afraid. When I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. He's promised me to be king. He's promised me a future, a destiny, a hope that is secure. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Man, what confidence and boldness in God. In the midst of his circumstances, doesn't change his situation. He's on the run from Saul. People want to kill him. He's got no home. He's got no family. He's living in the woods. And still he says, when I am afraid, I trust in God. When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. So we're going to acknowledge our fears. We're going to say, God, you know, this is the thing I'm struggling with. My friendships, my faith, 
my career, my finances, with my kids, whatever that thing is. And second, what we're gonna do is we're gonna seek God until he takes away our fears. We're gonna seek God until he takes away our fears. We're gonna seek him, press into him, pursue him until he takes away our fears. That's exactly what David did. The man who had everything to fear while he was alive, God removed it. In Psalm 34, verse four, he says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me. Not from all my situations, not from all my circumstances, not from all the hard things of life, not from the tough things I'm going through, but he delivered me from all my fears. How did he experience that deliverance? He sought the Lord. Seeking after the Lord isn't a one-time thing. It's daily. It's ongoing seeking after God. You know, the Bible tells us the most common phrase is, is fear not. Fear not about 365 times in the Bible. I think God's trying to tell us something. Put our faith and trust in him in the midst of situations and circumstances that may not change. David says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. What the enemy meant for evil, my God can turn for good. For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. How does that happen? By pressing into God like never before. I love this quote from the author of the devotional, Jesus Calling. The author writes, we often glance at God, but gaze at our circumstances. We often just glance at God and then gaze intently at our circumstances. I think we have that backwards. I think what God wants us to do is kind of glance at our fears, glance at our situations, but instead turn our face at God to seek him. Look around, what's, what's going on in my life? But God, I'm focused on you. I, I, my eyes are set on you. I'm seeking you. I, my, my focus, my attention is on you, God, because I know that I'm more than a conqueror. I know that you've given me, God, not a spirit of fear. And so if, if I have this fear, I rebuke it because it's not from you. And you've given me a spirit of love and power and self-control. And so instead of just glancing at God and gazing at our circumstances, we're gonna gaze at Christ and occasionally glance at our problems. What is fear? Fear is placing our faith in the what-ifs. It reveals what you value the most, but also, unfortunately, oftentimes where we trust God the least. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna get real. We're gonna get real with God, with ourselves. I hope you have someone in your life you can get real with. Jump in one of our small groups or, or just find a group of people that you can be real with. You can't do life alone. We're gonna acknowledge our fears. We're gonna seek him. We're gonna trust him. And we're gonna press into God, continue to seek after him until he removes those fears from us. Because I believe God can heal you. God can deliver you from those fears that maybe are crippling you. And so we're, we're gonna keep pressing in and we're gonna keep seeking him. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I want you to go out of here today with that truth deep down in your bones. That spirit of fear is not from God, but instead God has given you a spirit of love. No matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, 
No matter who you voted for, no matter the color of your skin, God gave you a spirit of love to love those around you, to love him, of power. You are not a victim. You are more than a conqueror and a spirit of self-control. Today our prayer is, God, give me the courage to acknowledge it and give me the power to overcome it. I'm going to invite Samuel to come up. Just play behind me. We're going to wrap up our service in a couple minutes. But before we do that, I'd like just every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. Maybe today you've realized there's some kind of fear that's just gripping you. Maybe it's fear of your future. Maybe it's the fear that you'll never be a parent. Maybe it's the fear that your marriage is going to crumble, that your business is not going to make it, that no one's ever going to love you or know you for who you really are. And right now, if you would like to seek God, to find deliverance and healing in that, I'd like you just to pop your hand up just so I can pray for you. Just right now, just lift your hand up. If you would like to acknowledge and say, I have some fears I'm struggling with, and God, I need your deliverance right now. Go ahead and just raise your hand up. Yes, yes. Are there others? Yes, 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 yes. I want to pray for you right now. God, you see these hands that are lifted. And God, we, we declare that you have not given us a spirit of fear. So God, we rebuke the enemy. We say that the devil has no power. And God, I wanna pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who are struggling with fear. God, I pray that you would deliver them from that fear. You'd give them the courage to acknowledge it and to seek you. And God, that you would deliver them. You would take away the fear, the anxiety, the worries that are crippling them right now. God, that they would know that they are strong through you, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in them. So God, deliver them right now. I pray for your healing touch upon everyone in this room who just has those fears that is just holding them back. God, that you would break through those walls so that their, their faith could grow. God, they would see how you're moving in their life and how they have a purpose and a plan. Thank you, Jesus. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed again. Maybe right now the fear that you're facing is that you're just uncertain about your future and you don't know how you stand with God. I want you to know that God loves you so much. He doesn't just love you, he's so loves you that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. And he's a good, good father who's saying to you right now, come home. The Bible says that it's nothing that we do, but it's only through what Jesus has done on the cross. By living the life we could not live, a perfect and sinless life, that he went to the cross to pay the price for our sins, the price that we should have paid, and then he rose again three days later to show that he had ultimate power over sin and death. And right now, your life can be changed and transformed. You can pass from death to life, from uncertainty 
to certainty in Jesus, that you can know your future and destiny is secure, that your hope is certain, that you can become a child of God. If today you've not made that faith decision to follow Jesus and you've just felt something stirring and tugging in your heart, if, if your fear is that you don't know what's gonna happen someday when you die and you meet God face to face, if you would like to accept his free gift of salvation, I wanna invite you to raise your hand when I just count to three. Because I believe that your life can change, that you can be delivered, that God can heal and redeem you right here in this place, in this moment. Count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you wanna to respond to that message of salvation and grace through Jesus alone. One, God loves you so, so much. Two, I believe that if you make that decision, you'll never be the same. Three, go ahead and raise your hand if you wanna accept that free gift of salvation. Is there anyone here this morning? I see that hand, thank you. Is there anyone else? no magic prayer that saves us, but the Bible says if we confess with our mouth, we believe in our hearts that God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that if we go from trusting ourselves to trusting in Christ, that we will be saved. So I'd just like everyone just to repeat after me this simple prayer. God, I place my trust in you, not in myself. You are my Savior my leader, and my father. Thank you for saving me and inviting me into your family. In your name we pray, amen. If you made that prayer for the first time today, God welcomes you to his family. Let's just give a hand for those who made that decision today. Thank you, Jesus. I invite the rest of the worship band to come on up. We're gonna close our service. Thank you for being here. We know you have a lot of things you can do on a weekend and we appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope it was, it was a time valuable. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us one more time and then uh, Jeremy, one of our leaders, is gonna come up and just lead us through offering. Would you join me in just one last word of prayer and then uh, Jeremy's gonna re receive the offering. Thank you, God, that you are here with us, that you save, that you remove our fears. God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control. In your name we pray, amen. Go ahead, Jeremy.